0: So number two of the third power, yes, we actually have a name this time around yes, and we thank you very much by the way, for all the comments on you know on mtG cast on mtG salvation on Twitter, and keep them coming. This is definitely helping us in terms of finding out what you know what we're doing wrong, what's the strengths and weaknesses, and all that fun stuff.
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely
0: on this week's episode, the first one was a lot about introducing ourselves for about half of it, and the rest was stuff and for this episode we're going to discuss the role of lands
1: in cube absolutely we're going to get into utility lands we're going to get into cycles of lands we're going to talk about some maybe some budget options how best to use them and just basically how we feel about lands uh but first i think usman we should continue with some new cards that we've uh seen memory and talk about possible inclusion in the cube i think this is a a good idea for us to do up until the pre-release especially um about some of these new cards that could be pretty awesome in the cube what do you think
0: i think it's a very good idea
1: like later we'll
0: have an episode about like how to like card evaluation that kind of thing but i think we definitely want to talk about like the individual cards and how do we evaluate them like if you should include them if it's worth like writing on a card with sharpie to, you know, include as a proxy or something, things like that. But yeah, sure. we definitely want to cover these uh, initial previews, which are kind of slow right now, but they'll start, you know, official previews start Monday. So it'll get, you know, it'll get better.
1: Well, right. And we've had some, you know, unofficial official ones as well, like uh, the Glissa that was sent along with the uh, players' rewards. But let's talk about, I think would be a good idea, is let's talk about what cards we think are definitely going to be in. Now, last week we talked about uh, the two Crusaders. And this week, let's talk about... I've seen a couple other cards that I think are auto-includes. The first of which is that Hero card, that four-drop one. What's the name of that one again? A Hero of Bladehold, I think. Hero of Bladehold. If you guys haven't seen this card yet, to me, this card seems like a definite auto-include.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, I've I proxied it. Like, the only... It's, it's, uh... The only thing I'm not really a huge fan of is, uh... You know, it's a four drop. And by the way, if you don't know what it is, I'll send a link in the show notes to what it is. But, you know, essentially four mana for three, four battle cry when it attacks, put two attacking one ones attacking into play. And they Also get the bonus.
1: Right. If you, you know, if you make sure you stack them the right way, you'll both of those guys will be able to get that bonus as well. I mean, white's got a lot of very powerful four drops, but I think this one fits right in um it's a lot of on its first wing we're talking about how much power three plus battle cry gives one power is that right
0: yeah so like so you're, three
1: yeah. four five six seven power on your yeah. first wing
0: yeah even with nothing else assuming you have the worst aggro start ever and you have like no one drop two drop three drop to join it yeah we're talking seven power of dudes and it's four toughness is actually somewhat relevant against yeah, it's
1: like a magical number
0: yeah, like you can't like that was a little disappointing about Rafik. Rafik is still amazing, but you know the fact that he could die to a bolt was Lightning a little bolted. annoying. Yeah, or like skin render or something. It's like, well, that's okay. It this this lives through it.
1: Yeah, the four toughness is I think magical, and I think three four for the, especially for this ability, the three four size is, is pretty generous for four mana. I feel like.
0: Yeah, most of the uh, most of the other Crusade on legs guys aren't really that big. Like Piana Nomad Captain Sultari Champion. And uh, Celestial Crusader, they're all pretty small creatures. Like, Piana is essentially 3-3 on attack, but, you know, the fact... They're nice in that they can they they can at least swing on their own. You know, a three-man 3-3 isn't the greatest thing, but, you know, the fact that it can do that and buff your other guys is sure. nice.
1: But sure, absolutely. Th-
0: yeah, again, the 3-4 for 4 is four isn't amazing... But the fact that it comes with its own personal army is really nice.
1: Right, right. And that's the thing is, you know, we're not just evaluating it for being three, four for four. We're evaluating it on basically being minimum seven power if you get to attack with it one time.
0: Yeah. Like, but uh, I've in men-
1: battle- I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: I've mentioned, uh, my, my love for the podcast limited resources. And if you do draft on a regular basis or at all, I definitely recommend again checking out that podcast, but there's some, there's a term they use in terms of card evaluation, a term called best case. Scenario mentality, aka BCSM, and worst case scenario, WCSM, to evaluate the worth of cards. Like if you're evaluating a card for a draft, like like generic fog variant number 529 or something. But like for this, you know, there's there's definitely they definitely talk about evaluating the overall range, like in ca- in terms of best case and worst case. Like, there are going to be times when, you know, your opponent has a four-power guy and you can't really attack profitably. At least not sometimes you can't attack profitably. But for the most part, it's going to be very effective and it's going to be a very efficient
1: creature. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm just floored. Uh, I mean, I, I'm very impressed. Whenever you're getting seven-power seven, seven power minimum, you know, if, if your worst-case scenario is seven-power minimum if you get to attack with it once. Because let's be honest— if you play it and they just kill it, you you know, you've traded one for one. You know? Yeah. So that's, you know, fine, whatever. But being able to attack for seven. What I was going to say though is Battlecry, there's also a new three one for two that has Battlecry as well, right?
0: Yeah, the uh a quarter paladin, which I guess is kind of a little flavor thing with a quarter shield, because it's nice with the shield. Ah, I see that. At least I guess, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, it's it's essentially an upgraded version of Blade of the Six Pride, one in a white for a three one with Battlecry. Like, I always – I have I've felt that Blade of the Six Pride is a little underrated for people in cube. Like, they're like, oh, it's just going to die against a It'll just trade
1: with a 1-1. Yeah,
0: precisely. And it's kind of the same thing I was talking about, the range, you know, in in case of, you know, best case scenario, worst case. Like, sure, it's going to run into a 2-2 with the same guy with the uh, A Quarter Paladin. Like, if he attacks, you know, all out – yeah, there are gonna be times when he'll run into a bear and then just pump your Savannah Lions or something. But for the most part, I believe it, like his base stats rock solid. Absolutely. And Battle Cry is seems like it's gonna be a real boon for uh, white
1: aggro decks. Like Or you know, a token deck even could make is gonna make a lot of good use out of this as well. Yeah, like like Bitter Blossom with this. Right. That's, yeah, like <laughs> hello. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, we, I think we can safely say this one strictly better than Blade of the Six Pride. Yeah. Usually Uh,
0: people, uh, tend to overuse the phrases strictly better, strictly worse. Like, you know, like there'd be like a drinking game whenever somebody, you know, over, you know, strong, wrongly uses strictly better, strictly worse, take a shot and you'd probably be dead in like 15 minutes or something. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, alcohol poisoning, et cetera. Yeah. Like it's just like, no. Lightning Bolt, strictly better than Shock. Same yeah. card, one card's better. So, absolutely. But I think this is a safe case scenario. 3-1 yeah. Vanilla, 3-1, the same exact cost that does something. Doesn't yeah. seem like much of a question. So, I, I personally, I feel like both of those cards are going to be auto-inclusions into the cube.
0: Totally. I've already proxied them. Like, I had a draft yesterday where I was kind of like Naya Aggro. And I'll discuss it later because I'm going to use it as an example. But I was Naya aggro, and I it was like third pack, and it was a bunch of like white green stuff, like stag, savanna lions, Isamaru, and that. And I figured white based aggro is pretty open, so I'm going to pass the quarter paladin. It's probably going to come back. Nope. And I was sad. <laughs> yeah, like even in retrospect, I probably should have taken it anyway in terms of power level. Like, uh, there's somebody uh, named uh, Cranny who, uh, with Sam Stoddard, does a uh, podcast called In Contention. And we were talking about the uh, A Quarter Paladin on Twitter, and he was saying that it's his favorite two-drop creature, like the A Quarter Paladin. And, you know, I don't know if I'm willing to say that at this point. Like, I don't know if I'm going to pull Kanye and say it's the best two-drop white creature of all time.
1: Right, 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 right. Yo, 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 (laughs) yo. Usman. You know, I'm sure a quarter paladin is great and all that stuff, but you know. Yeah. Eight point like five I, tails is actually the best, you know, two drop ever, <laughs> The you know. best two drop of all time. Best two drop of all time. What's up? Yeah, but I think it's still really good. Like solid, definitely auto include. Yeah, That's for true. sure. For sure. I can't can't agree more. Now, next category, because uh we definitely want to get to talking about the lands here. Um I think Glissa could be a solid maybe. Um I, the the cost is a bit awkward on it, but it's a good uh, converted mana cost to power-toughness ratio. It's got a really unique, it's got a good effect. I'm just not sure if that kind of effect is what is needed right now with the cards that we know in a green-black deck.
0: Yeah, like, uh, I'm running, yeah, I'm running a pre like, five actual, like, multicolored cards in my green-black section, and if for me to put in Glissa, I would have to kick out like, the only cards I can really consider kicking out are Putrid Leech and or, or you know, Putrid Leech or Spiritmonger for Glissa, and Glissa is very, very good. Like, you sure. know, the fact that she can just kill something in combat instantly. Like, I'm not sure how often her artifact recycling ability is going to be. Like, you have, like, O-stones or you know, discs or something, or you know, like, you can recycle Solemn Simulacrums or, I know, mean, even if you're just
1: recycling Wayfarer's baubles or, you know, things like that, you know, they, to go get lands with. I mean, I think I think that's a legitimate use of it. It's not a flashy use of it by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's, you know, a decent use for it. Like, yeah, it's something I wouldn't complain about. But I'm just not sure if I have room for it. But
1: Yeah, you, that's kind of where I feel about it, too, is that, yeah, I feel like it's really good. But, yeah, I feel like it's not better than the cards I already have in there.
0: Pretty much. And that's the that's the thing about Cube, unfortunately, is, like, sometimes when, like, thinking about a card and how good it is, it's not just that this card you know, thinking about this card, but what you could be running instead. And that's something I probably should have discussed more with uh, the Phyrexian Paladin. Like, even if it is a great wall, you know, resistant to a ton of removal, like, what are you running instead of it? Like, if I was to be right. running it, you know, it's, like, what would I run, what would I have to take out for it? And that's right, exactly. Diff-
1: and I don't think you're pulling out something like uh, the the Vampire Death Touch, the 2-3 Flyer. Like, you're not pulling that guy out for him. Oh no 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 no. Yeah, that, guy's, do... that guy's way too good. Yeah. And and finally let's let's talk real quick about cards that I think have some promise uh real quickly, but not quite sure, not quite there yet. I think uh there is the the pest that comes with uh Battlecry mm-hmm. uh that uh we can touch on real quick. And then I feel like the living weapon thing is a really good idea, but it's not quite there yet. I kind of would like the, the equipment by itself to be cube-worthy, not just that it comes attached to a dork. Pretty much. Like, I'm
0: definitely going to try Living Weapon, or the, uh, I forget what it's actually called, something hand. Yes, yeah, it's, or...
1: it's like the and Scimitar that comes with the Pest Token, basically, but it costs two to equip.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to try it in my Commons Cube, but yeah, the problem is the whole... Like one drop and then it being a two. Like it's good enough for Commons Cube. I don't think it's gonna be good enough, at least that specific one. Like but then again, it's a common and I'm I'm wondering if they're gonna have like a rare version.
1: <laughs> or a mythic version.
0: Yeah, like uh you know, super huge guy, you know, flashy guy, you know, and some cheap equip cost. But yeah, for the most part I'm not really super like super I'm not like jumping for joy over it. But sure. the pests The Pest, for example, like, I I think that card's pretty decent, but the thing you have to keep in mind is you have to consider it not as a creature, but you have to consider it as a spell when, like, for example, you're building your deck. Like, if you put, if your 15th creature is the Pest, that's not going to work because, A, it's not doing anything on its own, you know, it's zero power, and it's, most for the most part, it's going to attack and get in there, but it's not assisting anything else. It's not on its own contributing to victory unless you know you mize a bone splitter onto it but you know, that's not going to happen and <laughs> playing it playing, playing it as your first one drop like in an aggro deck definitely not good unless you have absolutely nothing better to do it's best you know just play your savannah lions and whatever to get a good clock going and then play that not as a uh, not as a dude but to play it as kind of like orcish aura or flame. a flam. yep yeah represent the old school it's exactly right what I was
1: going to say as you're talking. I'm like, man, just like Orcish Flame, but, you know, a lot more vulnerable because it's a creature.
0: Yeah, like, essentially, like, or- Orcish Flame was three and a red, and this one's, you know, just a one. And it's definitely a cost, you know, definitely cost reduction. But that's something you have to keep in mind. Like, I think it's good, and I think it's good. I don't, I'm testing it right now, but I don't know if it's going to, you know, make the grade. Especially once, you know, like, say, the new Red White Sword gets uh gets spoiled or whatever
1: absolutely absolutely all right well i think it's time for the the medias part of our uh podcast here uh let's talk about lands ho
0: i mean
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i I, sorry i didn't mean to offend you there a land Uh, land ho (laughs) calrissian or something right exactly (laughs) lands ho so i am uh I, i i i gotta admit i uh i love lands almost as much as i love attacking for two um, I think lands are just super important. Um, I, I think if you look at the history of Magic, um, a lot of the best decks had the best mana bases. Um, I think we're seeing a, a good a good example of that right now in current extended with the uh, Fairies deck that has you know sixteen thousand blue black dual lands. Um, but I, I think any good deck, unless you're monocolored, is going to have a great mana base. Um, and I I don't mind seeing lands in my cube packs. I, I don't know how you feel about that, Usman, but I yeah. I like drafting lands.
0: Yeah, lands are definitely very important. Like uh even even decks like Affinity, for example, like their lands were so important to their success. And I Well feel yeah, they
1: counted for two mana each, pretty
0: yeah, much. Yeah, they were they were all ancient tombs, pretty much. But uh I, I definitely feel that yeah, lands are very very overlooked when it comes to cube. It's kind of like people focus on, you know, uh, the the Wuberg section and then maybe artifacts or then maybe multicolor because they're all cool and flashy and then artifacts and lands that, you know, get, you know, include, include duels and whatever
1: and uh, whatever. You know, right. Well, you know, Uzman, I don't, I don't play my game with lands. I want to, I don't get to attack with my lands. Well, maybe sometimes I do. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I want to be able to, to, to cast lightning bolts at my opponent's head and like, I don't win games with just lands. So I don't want to see a whole lot of them in my packs. And yeah. while like, yeah, having, you know, I guess if you open a, a pack with 14 lands in it, you're going to be a little disappointed, but but I'd like to talk a little bit at least, uh and maybe I would like you to join in just talking about our specific cubes and, you know, how many lands there actually are and, mm-hmm. and how often they're going to come up. Okay. Um, uh, I'm I not really
0: sure on the uh, on the stats but I'll I'll check my blog list but you can you can go Sure. Well,
1: I sat down uh, I got out my uh abacus and and all that good stuff and I and I did some calculations on my cube and and how it all shakes out. Um I feel like in all the people I've met the people I've talked to I probably play the most amount of lands in my cube. Currently I have 67 lands in my cube. Um my cube size is 530 uh, fluctuates between 525 and 535 depending on uh, what cards I'm subbing in, what cards I'm taking out, trying extra ones, taking some out to see what happens. But right around that range. And that comes out to be only about 12.6% of the total number of lands. In the now, grand
0: scheme of things, that's not really much, no?
1: No, it's not. And it's it's even less when you think of it this way. Now, if I take only the lands that make mana and nothing else, because let's face it, people aren't going to complain when they see a a Mishra's Factory in their pack. They know that card is good. They're not going to complain when you see a Mutavolt or a Rashadden port. They know those those cards are good. But let's just talk about the ones that only make mana. In my cube, out of those 67 lands, 24 of them actually have a secondary function, are utility lands of some nature. So for as far as the lands that only make mana, only 43 of those in my cube make mana only which is huh. down to 8.1% of my entire cube. And that huh. shakes out, if you're doing 15 card packs, it only shakes out to 1.2 lands per pack as a strict average. For uh, for just mana-producing ones? For just mainly mana, mana, mana pro- Right, no, just for mana-producing lands. Just huh. 1.2. Wow. So you know, that's the average that you'll see a dual land, a bounce land per pack. And that's about it.
0: That's not and much, seven, yeah.
1: I, and I run a lot of lands, and I try to run as many as possible. That's not very many.
0: Yeah, I just uh, pulled up the deck stats uh on my on my cube, like, and it's counting just purely in terms of you know if the land if the card type is a land. And according to this, it's fifty four. Like out of my cube, four fifty cards, and that one, my cube is fifty four. So about one ninth. Like I'm not sure on the breakdown in terms of you know percentages, but mm-hmm. one one out of every nine cards essentially is some kind of land
1: okay yeah that 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 works out to be that's a just a little bit undermined you know uh, yours is you know 11 percent, 11.1 repeating percent oh or, yeah you know however you want to put it i'm sure some math major will correct me on that i'm just pulling that out of you know where <laughs> well we and, do you know, have at, and minus the, 12.6 which is one out of every eight cards i was gonna say
0: according to the uh to the uh the comments we do have an accountant who's listening so yes major props major props to that guy <laughs>
1: Yes, I'm, I hope he's listening. I'm sure he'll, uh, pitch in in the forums and, and let me know how best to, uh, itemize my lands and my cube for next year's, tra- uh, tax deductions here. That's so true. <laughs> I, I hope so anyway. Man, is getting a tax break on the, I own a cube. All right. That you can write off, you know, the value of your cube. Yes. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see about that. But so, all right. So out of those, let's talk a little bit about the utility lands. Um, my, I, I, the reason one of the reasons I've run a lot of lands in my, in my cube is because a lot of them do other things like i said twenty four out of the sixty seven of them do other things, and I think they mainly fall from what I found into two different categories um one is man lands um and the other one are spell effects
0: yeah um, like uh for example the uh mono red the red deck winds from this year like it had you know just straight mountains and then these kind of like pseudo spell lands like the uh teetering peaks and spldering spires like Obviously, not the greatest land if you think of it just in terms of lands, but the fact that they have spells attached is is quite powerful like I run exactly I run both of those uh lands those uh you know, pseudo spell lands in my commons cube for example
1: yeah and I, and I think they're really important um because you know. A lot of times, these lands are just like we've we've experienced with planeswalkers, as having repeatable spell-like effects every turn um, is obviously super powerful. The lands are the same way. Now, obviously, brainstorming every turn and tapping one of your opponent's lands do not compare. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, you want you'd rather brainstorm every turn, but yeah. you know, not all of us can be Jason Mind Sculptor. Exactly. So, like, but having example, those repeatable um, effects is really important.
0: When I'm building my decks, for example, and I draft a Maze of If. I don't count it as a land. No, I count absolutely it as like a, not. Yeah, it's an artifact, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, it is a spell for sure. Yeah, absolutely right. And and I think that's a mistake some people make. Um, you know, including that Cause, I mean, it doesn't doesn't tap for mana? You know, it's uh, on its most basic level. You know, it's not going to do you any good there. But it's but it's a spell, and it's a powerful powerful spell at that.
0: Yeah, like one of the the uh, when Wall of Denial was uh, initially spoiled, I thought of it. You know, this is kind of like a Maze of Ith that costs three, and the fact that Wall of Denial is still very much good enough if it costs three and dies to Wraths, which is, most decks running Maze of Iths are going to be running some kind of mass removal. And the fact that Wall of Denial dies to stuff like that even is kind of an analog to how powerful something like a Maze of Ith is. Even like, uh, you know, Richard Port, is also a very, very powerful card. You know, just, oh,
1: absolutely. All the mana denial ones are, are great, I think.
0: Yeah, like, the fact that you can, yeah, especially for opponents running, for example, bounce lands, just being able to port lock them for two, essentially two mana is very, very powerful.
1: I mean, have, have you ever watched someone life tilt when you wasteland their bounce land when they only kept a two lander? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people just life tilt and upheaval the table, and, and you know, you, you pretty much almost win the game. You know yeah. off of that because you're 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 effectively two for wanting them in in a sense by just killing a single land,
0: yeah, and most of those decks aren't most of the decks running bounce lands aren't exactly the fastest decks in the world either, so you're you're setting them back so much,
1: yeah for sure for sure, and uh so you know I have lands you know there's the uh the mana as far as the utility lands that that I run. And you can let me know if, if I miss any. I wrote mine down. Maybe there are ones that you'd like to bring up specifically, Usman, and, and talk about. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Maze of Ith. There's the, the land destruction quartet of Rashad and Port, Strip Mine Wasteland and Dust Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I run, uh, Volrath Stronghold, um, Academy Ruins, uh, Horizon Canopy. I run the pair of, uh Mana Accelerating Lands, uh Gaius Cradle, Telerian Academy. Mm-hmm. Um I'm currently trying out, still not convinced yet, thawing glaciers to see how that works in uh control mirrors. Um I also have a couple of hideaway lands too, as they... well as flagstones of Trocare. Do you
0: remember back in the day when like EOT Thaw was like the phrase of like oh. say the summer of like or the winter of like ninety six?
1: Oh, like... yeah. I mean, just it was such a powerful effect because games just drug out so much. I mean, we're talking about the, you know, back in the days of, uh, you know, shelter and Port. I mean, shelter and uh, Outpost, rather, Dude Ranch. Mm-hmm. It was just that was like one of the best decks of counter all your stuff and make dudes. And, and the way to get ahead in any control matchup is to keep ahead on your lands.
0: Yeah, just keep making land drops, land drops, land drops, land drops kind of thing. Yep, exactly
1: right. And I'm not convinced it's any good. I've, I've had it in a couple of decks. It is mm, less than impressive against, uh, aggressive decks. And I have yet to see a true control versus control mirror with it. But for now, it's going to stay in and until I get a little more data on it. So if any of you guys out there have tried it, please, you know, hit us up. Let us know how it's working for you guys.
0: I used to run it. I thought it was good. I just don't have the room for it right now, but I, I was definitely a fan of it when, when I ran it back in the day. Hmm. I don't know if that's the best going recommendation, but that works, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, you know, that's a, a one. And one land I think a lot of people, uh, overlook, I want to mention real quick as a standout is, um, the blue hideaway land. Yeah. Yeah. That one's very interesting one. Um, for whatever reason, I can't think of the name of it right now. Uh, I, Sheldock Isle. Sheldock Isle. I mean, you guys may not realize this, but it's actually the best card ever.
0: Is um, according to, uh, Adam Press <laughs> yeah, or something?
1: Yeah, actually, you know, written on my copy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have to remember, guys, this is a 40 card format and you're playing a blue deck. Getting to 20 cards left in your deck in a deck that one draws the game out, two slows the game down, three draws extra cards, um, and you know, just basically looks to get to the long game. I, I don't see how much, what, a, what kind of a better card you need. It's just, it's just so good, and it's won so many games for me, and it's obviously just broken in half when you get to cast your spell, and then oh look, I'll just cast this bounce land and pick it up and do it again.
0: Oh yeah, especially blue bounce lanes are so good in blue decks anyway. Like I oh. used to run shell Like admittedly, I, like I have cut it, but I don't think it's bad. I just oh have, no! Yeah, I know, I know. Like because bl- oh. I, I, I run it in my blue section. And blue is just so ridiculously tight. It's like trying to, I don't know, I can't even come up with analogy. It's just so crazy. <laughs> Probably it's not just...
1: one that's, uh, safe for, uh, podcasts, safe for TV. Cause I can think of a bunch that are completely inappropriate, but I, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's leave true. For myself.
0: <laughs> but like, uh, I remember there was one game, for example, I was playing versus a friend who was in a, you know, we had kind of a control matchup and he, I ultimated bolus. Nickel Bolas Planeswalker, or I had Nickel Bolas Planeswalker all the way up to Ultimate Mode, and he played a, uh, Oren Viper as his eighth permanent. So if he did, you know, if I did bolus him, he would be able to keep the Viper and be able to, you know, have something. Sure. And then, and then EOT flip over Shelldock Isle, and I had definitely less than 20 cards, uh, for a Jilt, which is the Unsummon with Kicker. Right. And you bounce it back to his hand and he did not have seven cards in hand. And next turn, ultimate bullets and just like, you're dead. Game over. You lose kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was just, re- I mean, I, I've also done things like, oh, uh, instant speed upheaval. Oh no. <laughs> I, I've, I've run that one before too, or, you know, get late in the game. I, I remember one control matchup where I, you know, end a turn, mind slavered into play and then activated it. You know, like stupid, stupid stuff. So if you guys haven't, if you guys aren't playing that one, you guys probably should. It's pretty awesome.
0: Definitely give Uh, it a shot. Like, like I said, I'm not running it, but you know, heathen. Yeah, I know. Ah, covering my cross or whatever, (laughs) like the vampire. But you know, I definitely don't think it's a bad card, but I just don't have room for it. But I I give it a thumbs up for sure.
1: Well, that's me doing my thumbs up. I I guess my, uh, I guess my heart will have to live with with you giving it a thumbs up instead of playing it. Yeah, it's good though. <laughs> and, and well let's real quick, let's talk about man lands. Um I can tell you the ones that I run and I can tell you one that I don't run and I'll tell you why. Um okay. uh, before first, before we go before oh. we go
0: on, there was a couple of uh like marquee kind of lands that I forgot to mention. Uh Ancient sure. Tomb. Ancient okay. Tomb I found has been really good. Like most of the decks that I run it in don't really care about the life loss. It's like, oh no, I lose two and I'll play my uh three drop a turn earlier kind of thing. Uh, I'm just looking at my blog list. Uh, I, I can and, definitely
1: understand Ancient Tomb. Um, It's just not something that I've wanted to run because of my feelings about fast mana. Oh, um, yeah, that's true. That's, that's kind of why I've stayed away from it a little bit, but it's probably a little more innocuous in my cube because of the lack of those super fast mana artifacts. So maybe that's something I'm going to have to take a look at. You know, going turn one Tomb into Signet, isn't nearly as threatening as turn one tomb into let's say grim monolith for example.
0: Oh wow, yeah, that would be broken. The, so, and then and then there's the uh, the, the mana producers uh, grand colosseum, which I feel is really uh, I I don't really hear as much praise for it in terms of general cube. Like most people who have cubes don't really gush about grand colosseum as much as I think
1: they should. But that's just a that's just a five color land, right?
0: Yeah. Uh ETB tapped and essentially City of Brass, but you can also City tap of Brass, it for but you can tap it
1: for colorless and not take pain, right? Yeah. Right.
0: Which yeah, is occasionally
1: I think, useful. I mean I think that I mean I think it's fine. I once again I don't run very many five color lands um mm-hmm. that just make five colors on their own and, and when sorry, we didn't actually talk about five color lands, but I run City of Brass. Yeah. Um but I gotta tell you I've been thinking about running Undiscovered Paradise as well.
0: I've heard good things about it, especially in the kind of, like... And one thing to definitely keep aware of when you're looking at lands in your cube is what decks are going to play it. Like, for example, I keep talking about bounce lands in blue decks because they're typically pretty slow, kind of, you know, slow card advantage-y kind of decks. And City of Brass, for example, is, you know, really nice in pretty much anything. And, like, for example, Grand Coliseum is better in, like, control decks... And Undiscovered Paradise is better in, like, aggro decks, especially ones that have, like, landfall dudes.
1: Well, yeah, I, I think that's the big attraction of the card. I, I definitely would not have considered it before the landfall mechanic. But if you're a cube out there that's running cards like Steplinks and uh, Plated Geopede and Searing Blaze, uh, Blood Gas, things like that, I think that's a card, even though it's not necessarily cheap because of its legacy implications um, with the... Uh, the uh dredge decks and older formats um I, I think that's a card you might want to look at if you if you feel like you're not getting enough uh bang for your buck out of the landfall mechanic
0: yeah it's uh all those cards i think are really solid anyway but yeah those uh those interactions with discovered undiscovered paradise are really nice and that's another card i remember from back in the day like the five color green deck with like river boa yeah, and yeah you know, buddy yeah arcane denial and all that fun stuff
1: yeah, all kinds of, all kinds of spells in there. Or like the old three do stack to move, move forward a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So, so going back to, to let's, let's keep moving forward here. Um, man lands. Um, if you guys, uh, I'm sure most of you guys are running Mishra's Factory and Those are, those are two throw-ins if you're, for sure, if you're playing a, a cube that includes rares. Um, also, if you guys aren't playing them, you should really consider playing the Worldwake uh, Mandals. The Worldwake yeah. Mandals have just been everything I've wanted them to be.
0: Yeah, if like, initially, I, I was really hesitant on playing them. Like, uh, the blue ones, I definitely was on board for. Like, the Colonnade and Tar Pit, I was very much a fan of. But the others I was kind of iffy on. I was like, man, Lava is just gonna hit a bear and he'll die, and, uh, you know, he'll just die, you know, and then... Eventually, you know, I, I, you know, eventually got on that ship and very much have liked how they are.
1: Yeah, and the one thing to keep in mind, too, is, you know, one, they function very well as dual lands. Um, If you are those two colors specifically, their value goes through the roof. I think the main complaint that I hear people say about them is that, well, for example, I drafted Raging Ravine, but I'm only splashing red. So I don't have a whole lot of other red sources Mm-hmm. in order to activate the Ravine. And while I understand that, one, it's still functioning as a dual land, so you should be pretty happy about that to get your splash. And two, if you ever do get that other red mana, you have yourself a 4-4, four, four, a 5-5, five, five, a 6-6, six, six, and so forth and so on, attacker that dodges Wrath of God. Mm-hmm. So, and that's,
0: uh, like I said, and, uh, it's one thing to very much keep in mind, like the decks that it's going to go in, like, the blue, the blue ones are very good in blue decks because they have, they are very long gamey, gonna... Because they you know, make blue mana? Yeah.
1: The, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> you
0: know, it's just like the, uh, you know, colonnades and the colonnade and the tar pit, for example.
1: Well, they have evasion. Yeah, which they, is and they,
0: and they also, yeah, have evasion too, which is also really nice, but even the, uh, the, for example, the green based ones, or the non blue ones, they're typically in kind of aggro e color combinations, you know, like red-green, White or blue, red, black kind of things, where they're nice to provide reach for those kinds of decks, and especially the uh, the single color ones. Like you know, Treetop Village is definitely a staple.
1: Oh yeah, Treetop Village is definitely in my cube as well. That was the the last one I was going to mention that I include.
0: Mm-hmm. Like it's not only a decent size, but it's also very nice because it fits what green decks typically want, which right. is you know even if you know they play their dudes, it still has something to use as, you know, it dodges Wraths, which is really nice, because aggro decks tend to not like having all their dudes dying. Sure. And, you know, just, like, a a decent-sized threat. Like, Lava Claw, admittedly, you know, isn't the biggest, you know, guy on the block, but his ability to pump and, you know, ability to, you know, just swing for a ton on an empty board or near-empty board is also really nice. So it's just one of these things that, like, For example, when you're considering these lands, like lands in general, or really any cards, it's considering what decks are going to use these cards. What decks are going to use these cards? There we go.
1: Right, and I completely agree. And and I think you you definitely want to have as many of them in a lot of them in there to give all the different deck types lands to use for themselves. Like I mean, we all know that you know all the. Wasteland strip mine, Rashad and port are very good, but those are more kind of aggro type i feel like a little more aggressively based lands um you need to make sure you're including lands for your control decks, including lands for your mid range decks, you know things like you know Volrath stronghold you know mm-hmm. including lands for your agro decks to keep them to keep them all balanced
0: yeah definitely a very a good a good thing to have in a cube is balance, and you know lands are a very important part of that. Like I said, their lands are very typically overlooked, but you have to keep in mind, like, you know, what archetypes you're supporting, you know, like you said, to make sure that lands like Maze of If are in to help control decks, but you also have mana denial, like Port and Wasteland and Dust Bowl and things like that to effectively keep these things in check.
1: Exactly right, exactly right. Well, let's let's keep going with this this utility land. Now, obviously some of them are color based. Um we have lands that can only be used by certain colors. Um things for example, um like you know, Borre stronghold. You obviously need some black mana for that. There are definitely blue aligned lands. I think blue actually has the best um color aligned lands that are that are out there. Um you have That's... you know because uh, uh, i look at my list and i find myself i actually run the most amount of blue lands blue color aligned lands than than any other ones
0: i agree like uh i think for example volrath stronghold is really like for example i used to run a kind of cycle of color aligned lands like two of each you know two quote unquote red lands two green two white mm-hmm. two black two blue and the thing i found out was about black is that Volras stronghold is really good i would say, arguably the most powerful color-aligned land in the game. But after that, that just drops so much. Like, you have, after Vol'Rod Stranglehold, you have, for example, Urborg, you right. know, Tomb of moth, and then...
1: Cricket.
0: I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have, like, Bujoka Bog and Piranha Marsh, and that's the same thing I found out in my well. Commons Cube and I was doing that
1: same thing. Well, you like, get the one out of the treetop cycle, too.
0: Yeah, the like, one that makes like a skeleton, a one-one.
1: Yeah, like a, a one-one regenerator or whatever, and it's just—it's just not that impressive. No, like, nah.
0: the, but, I guess I guess my brain forgot about
1: it for a reason. Well, I mean, it's easy to forget about forbidding Watchtower, yeah. and <laughs> and and lands like that. I remember which, uh, I remember Watchtower
0: because of the art, like, the new spawning pool didn't even have good art. It just had a bunch of bubbles. Right. I a bunch mean, of, bunch of green bubbles. <laughs> like that's not, it's not winning any prizes on that. What,
1: what are you talking about, dude? That's that's the, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going R- with that. R- bubble. Like you can get blocked by a one-one bubble or yeah. something. You know. It but doesn't. Then even... I don't think they changed the creature type to bubble. Yeah. They, they could it change it to beeble, I suppose, but yeah, not, not bubble. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's talk about. Let's since we're we're getting a little bit up here on time here. I, th- I think it's really important for us to talk about the different cycles of lands.
0: Um, yeah, like most of these most of these lands are in in cycles, especially the ones a lot of people think of, like the duels, fetches, bounce lands, man lands, stuff like that. All of them are in some kind of cycle. Right, and, and it makes important. it
1: very easy to include just the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think it it makes for easy um, cube construction. Is just to be able to look at a cycle. And include them. So I, I figure what we would do, Usman, is is kind of talk about our ranking of what we think the cycles are, as far okay. as how good we think they are in cube, and kind of our personal uh, from from each of our standpoints. I think that might be a, a fun exercise after the first cycle, okay. anyway. Yeah, the first one's pretty easy. Like yeah, the first kind of one painful. is oh my god, let's say it together. Ready one, two, three. Original, original duels. Right, exactly. Right. It's not remotely close. Obviously, the the biggest detract, detractor here is the fact that they're approximately $16,000 each. Exactly.
0: So, Especially the blue yeah. ones are like, I don't know how much. Uh, a a, a way, lot. Wait Underground sure.
1: Sea retails at like 90 to a hundred. So oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. If, if you're like me and just have had cards forever, that's cool. I just happen to have them. I'll include them. But if you, if you, if you want the best cycle of lands, that's the place to start. If you're looking to, to do some investing, whether it be through trading or through purchase, those are those are number one for me.
0: Yeah, usually like when I sometimes I refer to cards in cube like staple or like evergreen. I sometimes use that word. And like if you trade, for example, for a duel, that those are, du, the original duels are definitely evergreen cards. They will never ever 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 leave your cube. Right, there are other cards like you know, for example, I don't know. Uh I'm trying to think of some other you know random green card. Force of yeah. will. There's
1: yeah. <laughs> game card always going to be good forever and ever.
0: Precisely, and yeah, that's the stuff you really want to trade for, kind of thing. But yeah, uh, like, uh yeah. That, well, what
1: do you think the, the second cycle is? Because I, I have my opinion, and I, and I, I don't know what you think it is. So I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, What's number two? It's, it's
0: kind of a, it's, it's a difficult between Ravnica duels and the fetches, the uh you know, onslaught slash Zendikar ones.
1: All right, make a uh, decision. yeah, gun to my head. I know which one I'm picking. I guess fetches. Okay. I'm I'm in complete agreement with you there. Um, And for me, the fetches are second. Obviously, then we're probably both agreeing that third would be the Ravnica duels. For sure. Okay. And the reason why I think it's that way is uh, fetch lands, while you do have to pay your one life um, as far as being better than the Ravnica duels, one, they still work in decks that don't have dual lands. Mm Mm-hmm. So that land still counts as both colors. It is going to enable you to, for whatever percentages, thin out your land. You know, you're at that slight percentage. It doesn't really matter. It has interactions with landfall that we're talking about. You know, new mechanics you are getting two landfall triggers out of your fetch as well. And I yeah. think for, for those reasons, it puts them ahead of the Ravnica duels. But obviously the fetches work best when you have the original duels and the Ravnica duels.
0: For sure, and I definitely think those three cycles should are auto like assuming you're running rares. Those are definitely auto includes. The rest, the rest of the ones we'll get into is kind of we'll get into how you should include them. Like you know, if you want to include complete cycles and stuff like that.
1: Sure, absolutely. Those are your those three are definitely the evergreen cycles. Yeah, we know they're expensive. Uh, now's probably the time to pick up those Ravnica duels, um, but before they find a format in which they're they're good and valued. Um, foil ones still have some value because of EDH and things of that nature. But if, if you're looking to pick up a, a cycle of rare lands, I think now is the time to get those Ravnica duels. All right. Number four on the list. Is it, uh, um,
0: is it your turn to vote?
1: Like, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm going to take this one because okay. since we kind of did two and three at the same time for me, and I, I do love these lands, I think the Ravnica cycle bounce lands are number four for me.
0: Yeah, um, for sure. I, I, uh, I, uh... Yeah, I think I can I can agree with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I just you know between the interactions with your other lands and being able to pick up cards, being able to keep slightly lighter land draws, having interactions with untap effects, <clears throat> being able to use them effectively to splash, and they're very accessible to every cube out there. They're mm-hmm. commons. They're yeah. commons, you know, pick them up. Use them well. Yeah, you know what? It really sucks when, you know, you keep your two-lander and they strip mine it or they wasteland it. But just think of how much fun your opponent's having. And that's, you <laughs> know, the cube is supposed to be fun. So maybe fun you can live everybody. vicariously through your opponent of how much you just got blown out. And even then, like, uh, you know, it's a, it's it's the thing
0: I was talking about earlier with the range effect. Like, yeah, it sometimes sucks to get blown out. By you know, your your bounce line getting avalanche ridered, but if you think of it in terms of overall utility and the overall benefit you're going to get from it, it's more, like, it's. The, Mitch Hedberg had a joke about, uh, you know, the fact that casinos shouldn't advertise people winning, because that's what happens least.
1: Right, that's you the know, outlier.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, nobody's going to, you know, most people aren't going to go, yay, I won the jackpot a billion dollars. Like, that's not going to happen most of the times, and if someone's, like, that not willing to play bounce lanes because they might get strip mined or something. Right. You're thinking in terms of that worst case
1: scenario or the billboard, I guess, yeah, kind of. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And I, I like that. I like that casino outlook. Yeah, so so you said maybe the casino should show people losing most of their money, but having a good time. I think so. I think, guess, so. I think the, he, uh, the middle ground,
0: something like that. Or them just like, you know, spending 20 bucks at blackjack. I think the, the next part of the joke he said was like, like, uh, it'd be like, Go, uh, talking, showing a hamburger commercial and then some, showing somebody like choking or something. Nice. Yeah.
1: R.I.P. R. Mitch Hedberg
0: for sure. <laughs> and another, All right. th- another interesting thing about the bounce lands, by the way, that I didn't mention is oh, that sure. it's, uh, sometimes you can kind of bluff a splash. Like for example, if you're black blue and you, if you have say the, uh, It and Rockdose a bounce lands the uh, the mm-hmm. ones that splash for red. Like you can represent a red splash and not really have it.
1: That's interesting. I I never really considered that. Um, I I think that's a that's a play that would mostly work on better opponents. I feel like if you're too many levels of thinking, there's a a, a poker way of thinking that if you're you know more than one level of thinking ahead of your opponent, it won't work.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, or the uh, fancy play scenario syndrome kind of right, thing. right,
1: right. You know, you do this, and you're like, yeah, they think I'm going to splash, and they're <laughs> actually just like, don't give a crap that you have a land that produces red.
0: Yeah, like, oh, he's uh, <laughs> he's got bounce lands, you know, just like right. whatever kind of thing. But yeah, big deal. It's... Don't don't care. You know.
1: Yeah. All right, next. Let's keep going. What's the next one after that? You think?
0: Uh, I would say the. I would say maybe the the Zendikar or not the Zendikar Worldwake duels. I think <laughs> like, are we counting the uh, the not like the manlands from like uh, yeah, versus?
1: absolutely. I mean, if they if they come in cycles, we're counting them. Okay, manlands for sure. Yep, that's you know maybe this isn't as interesting as I thought it was going to be because we're <laughs> in agreement there. I, I have the Worldwake uh, Duels as number five. Yeah, now, and, and all of those sets I do run that those five cycles we just talked about are included in my cube. The next set, of, the next one on my list that I'd like to mention is the first set that I have excluded, but only very recently. And okay. that, for me, is the uh, Shadowmoor Block Filterlands.
0: Okay. Like, um, um, uh, do you want to talk about the uh, the five color thing that we were talking about earlier? By the way.
1: Yeah, we can we can d- describe it real quick. Um, basically, the reason why I don't include the Filterlands as a cycle is because I feel like they give the four and five color control decks. A l- I think the meta fixing becomes a little too good. Um, I think. By being able to play those lands, they're able to generate multiples of a color out of one land that they necessarily shouldn't be able to. For example, if I'm playing a, you know, a three color control deck, but I'm splashing damnation, let's say, Mm -hmm. um, if I'm only using original dual lands, or having, you know, and all these other lands, I have to find two of those lands that produce black. If I am playing the filter lands, I now only have to find one of them that produce. I only have to find one land, and yeah. I can produce double black with that one. So I think it makes the the double the CC color color cards a little bit too easy to splash, which is mm-hmm. actually why I've I've gotten away from them, almost as being too good for those kinds of decks.
0: Yeah, there was a uh, there was something like Evan Irwin did a uh, a video about an hour long when he was on some cruise, and he one of the points that really stuck with me and it made sense because I'd been thinking it as well is. Like, for example, you don't want their like fixing is very important, but you don't want it to be like super abundant like an analogy that I sometimes use is like uh when because uh, I never actually drafted Mercadian masks, mm-hmm. but from what I understand like the rebel the uh the rebel toolbar or the rebel chain strategy, yep. like it was so good that you would have three or four people gunning. Like, going first Picker, Mosey, and Sergeant, the, uh, yep. by the way, it's the, uh, the one mana one that starts a chain. Like, yep. so many people would be gunning for that strategy because it would be so good. Like, it would be, like, the dominant strategy. And if you have an abundance of fixing, that becomes, like, five color control becomes, or four or five color control becomes the dominant archetype. And granted, there are other ways of, you know, mitigating it, like having aggro that can actually combat it like having a non-terrible aggro component in your cube but yeah if you for example if you have like a ton of fixing people can ignore signals and can just go like oh dual filter vivid painland, you know just like everything they can just do that and then kind of algorithmically draft you know just like
1: right just pick up spells later that do things
0: Yeah, just take splashable bombs, maybe have a main color, like, blue, so you can play Jace or whatever. But that's something, like, that Erwin said. There was a line he said that was very stuck in my head. It said, you don't want your cube to be one-color magic. You just have to have a strategy. Like, you don't want your cube to have the uh, rebel strategy. Or, like, uh, Shadomore, from what I understand, you could force mono-red, because mono-red was so... Yeah, mono-red was so... Yeah, like you get the flame flame jabs, the uh, the white, uh, the one one that you know if you pay one, a dude can't block or something. Like it was so good that you would have people gunning for that strategy, and it would only be mitigated when you would have like this kind of critical mass, and then it, people it,
1: drafting the, the strategy. Yeah,
0: yeah. If you have like if you have like five people, for example, drafting it, you know it's gonna be horrible because there aren't the tools for it. But, exactly. That's that's something I, I I feel is very important on the topic of fixing. Is like you don't want it to be like if you know if a, somebody knows that strategy they'll win. Like there's no risk. Right. There's exactly. No, there, uh, there's, there's
1: no secret to it. There's no you know force wizards and triple morning tide or force ninjas and triple betrayers of Kamigawa and just first, yeah. you know, first pick shurikens and you know the, there's no breaking of the format then basically. They yeah. just know what the best deck is all the time.
0: One thing, one thing I definitely propose, like say in terms of cube, is that balance is key. It is, it's not just a pile of cards. It's just looking holistically at your cube. And granted, you're not going to have perfect balance, you know, of every archetype. I mean, you can't, you know, have, you know, say, you aren't going to have absolute perfect harmony. But on the other hand, you, you know, want to keep things balanced, like archetypes and things like that. Right.
1: And, well, you want to make as many decks as possible playable. precisely and and have them all be and all be realistic and and part of that is just you know having to play your cube a lot as well Mm -hmm. so okay let's let's keep (laughs) going with this cycle thing because uh i had a couple people tell me too hey if i can't afford things like original duels or fetch lands like what are some options okay and and i'm i know i'm kind of taking over i'm going two in a row here (laughs) but for me the the next set on this one would be the pain lands the ice age and apocalypse pain lands these I def- are, yeah, I, I I agree. I think are and very by the way, cheap I'm, alternatives too. I
0: apologize, by the way, for getting on
1: my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you can't get on a soapbox on a podcast, when when can you possibly get one? I mean, I'm sure you can go to the local campus and stand out in front of the engineering building and talk <laughs> about how you what you think about lands. Maybe you'll get an audience there from some people. I mean, I think
0: more awkward looks. Even I mean, if, well, yeah, <laughs> you'll
1: definitely get a lot of those. But I mean, I think the engineering building might be the place to go if you. If you want to rant about lands, you know, on campus. But you know, this is a perfect place for it. Not That's a problem true. at all. We'll just uh you know, we'll we'll keep going with it and, and see where we wind up here. So
0: the uh but, but as you said earlier, the pain lands are very good. Like they're better in like, for example, the bounce lands are better in control ish, mid range control y kind of decks, especially blue. Like, oh no, I can you know, essentially like it's not a terrible idea if you have, for example, if you have four bounce lands or maybe like three bounce lands and run only 16 lands total because your bounce lands are essentially mitigated. Right. You game. have,
1: quote, 19 lands. And I, I, I will try to find the link for you guys. There is a, a infamous uh, draft write-up, fake draft write-up that, that Tim Ayton did back in the day of uh, Ravnica block draft because it was the big running joke that everyone first picked bounce lands because of how good they were. -hmm. And I'll see if I can find that link and include that for you guys on, on a, on a draft gone horribly wrong because (laughs) of picking bounce lands. I'll, I'll try to get that one included for you guys.
0: There was a, Uh, there was a point that Chapin had er, about that time too, when he said, like, I think when people hadn't caught on, on bounce lands, they were like, eh, this is bad. And then he said, think of it this way. How would you feel on playing a land that enters the battlefield tapped and like, tutors for a land, or cantrips, but it came into play tapped. Would you play it? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Well, yes. yes, like, yeah, of course. I mean, granted, the, the drawback is annoying in aggro decks. Like, I'm not gonna play Gruel Turf in my red-green decks, for example. Right. But, you know, like, Azorius, Chancery, Demir, Aqueduct, I will be very, very happy to play those
1: in my, uh. Sure, but, you know, and I'll, I'll gladly play, you know, Gruel Turf in my mid range deck that has a Johnny Vengeance when I need the red, you know what I mean, things like that. Yeah. So also too, now you include another cycle. You actually like the Vivid Lands, whereas I don't like them at all.
0: No, I actually if... I, I don't run those actually. Oh,
1: you don't? I thought you did. No, no. But
0: I think they of... suffer
1: from the same problem as the Filter Lands of of our earlier conversation.
0: I think you might be thinking that because like a, a friend was, we were discussing uh, Vivid Lands, and then he said it was a strictly better. A, a forest or whatever. Right, right. And then I, you know, like take my shot and then was like, no, <laughs> that's not true. But yeah, it's <laughs> kind of similar where it's kind of like, yeah, it's most of the decks are when to want them are either control or five color, you know, five color control kind of thing. And again, it's all about you know mitigating, you know, archetypes and whatnot.
1: Absolutely. But I, but I do think however, that along with the pain lands and the bounce lands, I think if you're looking for budget options for mana fixing for your cube, I think Vivids could be up there, yeah. and I also think uh, something else you guys can look for are there's been quite a few cycles of uh, aligned uh, color dual lands, starting with the uh, Invasion dual lands, um, moving to the Snow dual lands from uh, cold, snap. cold Snap, thank you, and then ending up with the Refuges in mm-hmm. Zendikar as well. I there's think a, those, those there's are also all that, oh, sorry, pretty go good ahead. ones. Go ahead.
0: There's other ones like the, uh, the shard, uh, triple lands. I don't know. of
1: course the tri-lands.
0: I don't know how much they're worth now, but I remember back in the day they were, like, when they were in standard, they were about a buck. I don't know if they still are, but.
1: I mean, they're still hanging around there because of, like, EDH and formats like that, but you can pick those up very cheaply. Good catch, Usman. Thank you. I completely forgot about those. Thank you. Absolutely.
0: Uh, but yeah, stuff like that. Like, I don't know, the scars, dual lands, I think people are starting to catch on that those are good but I remember back in the day you could pick those up for like a couple bucks. I think they're still relatively cheap, but they're nice options. And definitely when you're shopping, like shop around, like seriously, like you know, you be able to pick up some good bargains if you just shop around kind Absolutely. of
1: Absolutely. My- and look in look in everybody's trade binder, guys. Look in the back because a lot of a lot of people have uh commons and uncommons in the back of their binder. You know, go, you know, find the the people who are just playing or you know inherited the cards from their brother or whatever you know look through their book offer to trade them a couple of rares they can use and and pick up a bunch of those those uncommons because i i think those especially the try such a good catch i can't believe i forgot about those you it's know right. along with the bounce lands and the pain lands and things like that are really good alternatives and i think we're just about out of time here we're uh we are gone a little bit longer than we have last week but uh Thank you guys for listening. And Usman, why don't you tell them how they can get in touch with us? We kind of forgot to tell them that last time.
0: Oh, that's true. Uh, I have a blog, uh, I'd rather be cubing, I-D-R-A-T-H-E-R-B-E-C-U-B-I-N-G.wordpress.com. And I D R A T H E R B E C U B I N G dot Wordpress dot com. Can I even do the sentence? Oh wait, you already, did. Yeah. <laughs> you <never laughs> already did Sorry, go ahead. And in a web address. But yeah, just kind of you can uh, for the be- for the most part, the best way to contact us, like as a whole, is to uh Go, you know, like I'm assu- assuming you downloaded this on MTG cast, like post on the comments, just saying like, hey, and definitely give, you know, suggestions are very much welcome. Like, you know, please, for example, we went on like I was listening to the podcast earlier and, you know, it's like about half of it was intro. And a lot of people said, hey, you know, it was really good. But, you know, cut down on your intro, cut down on your intro. And I was like, yeah, huh? Yeah, that's true. So, you know, we did that. You know, we cut the fluff and, you know, kind of got into the meat right there kind of thing but you know uh post comments you know I have my blog on uh, on wordpress like i said my i am registered on twitter at uh at usman the rad u s m a n t h e r a d and uh i don't know i'm going to probably try to convince anthony to get a twitter account even though he hates the site
1: uh, cuz i'm old and crotchety i know we're going back to this again but i just uh uh twitter makes me Twitter makes me kind of irate. We'll see what happens. <laughs> that's true. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But if you want to get a hold of me personally, you can just email me. I am uh, Anthony Forty Two. Just about everywhere. So that's A N T K N E E Forty Two, and that's at uh, mainly at you know Hotmail, Gmail, Yahoo, um, on Magic Online when I ever decide to use it. Anthony, if you see Anthony Forty Two on uh, AIM, that's 99% likely it's me. I try to usurp all the Anthony 42s everywhere I go. Xbox Live, Antony 42. So, you know, feel free to hit me up anywhere. And we even have a direct show email as well, too, don't we, Usman?
0: Yeah, it's uh, The Third Power at gmail.com, which is, uh, you know, another way to contact us. But, yeah, there are definitely – way and, and there's a thread on MTG Salvation. If you are registered at their cube forum, which, by the way, you should – it, there's a thread called uh, something like the Third Power Podcast Thread. And, you know, if you're registered at Salvation, definitely post comments, you know, feedback, whatever, you know, stuff like that. And we we are very, very, very thankful yes, for all the feedback that we've gotten.
1: Thank you guys for listening, uh, for all the comments. I mean, no matter what they are, we definitely take them into consideration. Maybe some of them will, you know, like Make even us the guy... a little sandy at times, but you know what that that's okay you know we're here for you guys to listen to, and we'd love to hear what you guys think uh Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs mm-hmm. sideways, thumbs, you know where <laughs> yeah, even wanna, the guy who said hear. I need to
0: work on my radio voice in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, you know thank you for at least posting something you know you, there was other stuff in there too, but you know thank thank, <laughs> thank you anyway for the feedback.
1: Well, I admit you uh you, you do sound a little more sexy today than you than you did previously, so maybe it's because you were getting over a cold last week. Maybe yeah, I
0: still have a little bit of it, but, yeah, I think I'm for the most part over it. Yeah,
1: just start smoking some cigars, and you'll get that sexy <laughs> voice in no time. Well, hey, Usman, thanks a lot for hanging out. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh hopefully we'll see you guys next week.
0: Yeah, thank you all very much. Have a wonderful day.
1: All right. Bye, Usman.
0: All right. Bye, Anthony.